Hello, Yoga Podcast listeners. It's me, Breezy. Now, if you are a listener and you are also a yoga teacher or aspiring teacher, this new series is for you. If you're a student, this might be fun to listen in on and hear some of the tricks of the trade, but I do get lots of requests from yoga teachers from all over the globe. So as a yoga teacher trainer, I love discussing how you can better teach, inspire, guide, instruct, all of those buzzwords, your students and practitioners. So listen in and enjoy. Namaste. All right, we are live. Welcome, welcome. Namaste, everyone. So great to see all of your lovely faces. Oh, let's just take a moment. I hope we are all seated or in some sort of grounding energy, grounding position. Let's just take a moment. Let's just honor this time that we've all decided to come together in community. And thank you for allowing me to guide us through today's lecture. I appreciate it. It is most definitely an honor of mine to be able to facilitate for you all. So let's just take a few rounds of deep inhalations and exhalations. If you like, you can place a hand over your heart, one over your navel or your belly button space. I like to think of it as a tunnel to life, right? And just apply a little bit of pressure just to remind your body that you're present, that you're here. And let's just simply notice the breath. Begin to allow that prana to move throughout the body. Feeling the inhalations becoming deeper and the exhalations letting everything just release to this grounding effect of the body being supported by the earth beneath. Let's all come together with the intention to enhance some of the ideas that we already have deep within and beneath our unconscious minds, just bringing that energy forward, or perhaps learning something brand new, being open-minded to that as well. Taking information that we learned throughout these series to just allow us to be deeper into our own practice as students, and then being able to reciprocate that gratitude that this beautiful spiritual science of yoga offers back to us when we're teaching. So with that, take the deepest inhalation, open your mouth and let it go. <sighs> Wonderful. We're going to touch on a lot of different topics because I have accumulated questions that you all have had on the community board throughout the training and mix that with some of the information that I wanted to share that we haven't discussed already. 
And hopefully this is just a flowy, flowy conversation amongst students and teachers alike, all within one. (laughs) All right, so I want to begin with just talking about the idea that we can lean in on yoga. One of the things that I think we are so fortunate to be gifted is this practice. You know, we all are probably teaching yoga because it has transformed our lives in some capacity. It has allowed us to illuminate something that was maybe dormant or hidden or quiet that was deep within us. So again, by way of offering gratitude, here we are. We probably want to share this ancient wisdom with others in our community. And within our own individual communities, we have people who resonate with us. And those are our people, right? Or we resonate with them. And it's just this beautiful connection. So we want to always keep that in mind. And it's hard, right? It's hard if this is your livelihood. It's hard if You know, you're having trouble in your own practice, which we're going to discuss because that was a theme of questions. And I think it's a little bit post-pandemic vibes. You know, we're all sort of rusty in our own practice. Here we are teaching and, you know, people brought up terminology like imposter syndrome or just not feeling confident in their own skin the way that they did a few years ago. And I am here for that. And I'm here to support because it's real. That's a real concern. But I want you to remember that you can lean in on yoga. Yoga and the infinite wisdoms of our own bodies, the bodies of our students, and the infinite wisdoms of the philosophy of yoga and this beautiful spiritual science this esoteric world that we are all in, there's like this unknown, but it's this deepness and it's beautiful. It's like this beautiful forest and you're just getting deeper and deeper into it. There's this magic, so to speak, that we're all enchanted by. And most of the time, we can just feel comfort in that sacred space that yoga offers. So, when in doubt, let yoga lead. Let yoga take center stage. You know, sometimes we think that it's, you know, and I don't want to say this is from the ego, although for some it could be, but it's just human nature that, We take things personally or we think that we have this huge effect. And yes, we do, right? We have, and that's why we did the whole Wow Your Students series. But we have this connection through yoga. There's this bridge. It's like, that's what's so much fun about being a part of like a community or a club or something like that, right? Because Everyone's already there. Everyone's already like sharing in something yummy together. (laughs) You know, it's like we have something in common. 
off the bat. And maybe one of us loves it so deeply and we just want to share that love with someone new to this experience. Or maybe there's this general equality of feelings for yoga around the room, just like how we all feel here today. We're all in community. We're all sharing the same feeling about learning about yoga, learning about teaching, learning about our students. We want to add more value. We want to receive more depth. It's a good feeling. So the idea that we are a bit disconnected from our personal practice because of all that has transpired globally in the last few years makes total sense, you know, and there's no easy way to perhaps escape that feeling. We just have to acknowledge that it does exist. And the best way to begin to let go is just to intentionally, consciously let go. And as we are all aware, there are many ways to go about that. You know, journaling is always a good introspective practice anyway. But sometimes journaling is just like the same intense feeling as rolling out the mat and practicing asana or, you know, taking a moment to meditate or focus on breath or read philosophy. It's hard, you know, when you're disconnected, you're disconnected. You don't even have time to want to journal. So I've been just working with water lately. Water for me makes me feel like I can just wash away my worries. I can cleanse my spirit. I can relax. I can refresh and hydrate. You know, there's all these different uses with this beautiful element. And I'm going to get a little woo-woo here for a moment, but and I wasn't planning on talking about this, but here we are. I think just pouring a glass of water, you know, I like to sprinkle a few, you know, rosemary herbs into the water. Just a little refreshing and it feels satisfying and it feels sacred. Or for others, maybe it's a little bit of mint. Squeeze a little bit of lemon. And then I like to take a moment and I like to do pratyam practice. And every inhalation, I can smell those ingredients. You can do this with um, hot tea as well. Because, you know, the idea of the herbs with the tea and the lemon. But... Um, Sometimes I just keep it super simple and it's just, you know, it's majority water with a little sprinkle of herbs instead of like a bag of herbs for tea. Um, And then I like mine to be, you know, lukewarm so that I can just swallow it all down and you'll see why. So after I pour this and I create this, this little vibration, I take a deep inhalation and I begin to just exhale and let go. And then I inhale the scents and then I exhale and let go. And then I inhale the scents and then I exhale and let go. And then once again, deep inhalation. And as I exhale, I put 
all of this revived, refreshed, and high vibrational prana right into the water. And when I'm done, I like to whisper either gratitude or I like to make a wish or I like to say my mantra or my motto or a prayer. And then I just settle into that. And then I usually say namaste and I drink it all down almost like with one breath. And as I'm drinking and the water's going down through my body, I imagine every cell of my body dancing and enjoying and rejoicing and just hydrating. It's like a party in the rain. And I envision this. And then when I'm done, I just take a moment of silence. And I said all of that because it allows us to have just this connection you know and you can start to invite yoga back into your life to your personal practice you can invite journaling back you can take a warm bath or you know for some of us maybe do a yoni steam or a facial steam just feeling water feeling that energy and then I like to imagine that I'm just cleansing and letting go and refreshing. And then my next goal is to allow that heart space to become full and open to receive. And I invite in whatever it is that has been hard for me to do lately. And maybe it's just journaling a sentence or a couple of words or just writing down a quote. Maybe it's sketching a little bit or coloring a little bit. Maybe it's doing some box breath or alternate nostril breathing. Or perhaps it's just intuitive asana. Just start to move the body with or without mat. And maybe it's just Acknowledging the full moon in the sky or the leaves that are changing and just having a mindful practice. And once you begin doing some of these things, even if you're still not feeling like you're completely where you want to be envision being or was before, maybe you can allow yourself to evolve into a different type of practice now current present day as yoga teachers it's or mindful teachers it's really interesting how we forget that just the act of mindfulness and connection is fine and it's yogic and it's beautiful and it's living in this practice not just showing up and and trying to like be the best version of a yoga practitioner we could ever be it's just moments all of the time and when you're living in that way and that's just a part of who you are you're not going to separate yourself from your practice it's not going to be like I didn't go out for a run today it won't feel that a and b you know what I mean and then when you show up for your students it's like you're 
exuding just your natural state. And your natural state is just yogic. It's not, oh, I did a yo- an hour of yoga asana practice every day this week. You know, I planned this perfect sequence. I practiced that sequence. I did meditation every morning and every evening. <laughs> you know, I did yoga nidra. I, you know, did pratyama. I read three chapters of, you know, light on yoga, whatever it may be, right? It doesn't have to be that. It can just be a part of your life, just like the water. And your students, they will just sense that within you. And you will feel less like this imposture or this, you know, because you haven't set these strange expectations. You know, no one ever tells a boxing coach that they have to be world champ for the top of their career before they can coach. I mean, some of the best boxing coaches are better as coaches than they ever were as boxers. And some were never even champion boxers. Same with most sports and different modalities. So don't ever feel like you need to, you know, press into the perfect handstand and you know, you need to have the most flexible body and spine. You need to have such strong body that you can just hold yourself in plank for 10 minutes, you know. You need to have this beautiful pratyama practice and you need to be reading the, you know, the Gita or you need to, you know, know (laughs) the yoga sutras by heart. I mean, this is where the ego lives. This is where you start to create hierarchy, where you start to feel like you're better because, you know, you're this certain type of practitioner, a certain type of student. You know, we all show up every single day, just like we tell our students, your hips may tighten up every single day because you're sitting, you're driving, you're riding your bike, you're going on runs. And so every day you practice so that every day you can re-loosen things up, not so that they can stay there forever. You know, I love that meme that used to go around that was, essentially talking about the fact that you don't take a shower once and never shower again. You shower daily. You brush your teeth daily. You eat something, you know, regularly, whatever the case may be. But there's no, it's not a one and done. You don't just eat once and never eat again. You don't drink one glass of water and never drink another glass again. And that is just true of our practice of yoga. That's true of our practice in this style of being. So when in doubt, remember that the connection that you have between your students and your students have with you, first and foremost, is yoga. So let yoga teach and you just facilitate or guide those teachings. And you'll quickly see that you do not need to be the best sequencer you've ever, ever Known, You don't have to have the best peak poses and you don't have to be that teacher that can teach anybody to get into handstand no matter what. All of those things I just mentioned are awesome. And if that's you, wonderful. But if it's not you, it doesn't mean that you're less than. We are all perfectly bringing illumination through our vessels of being to our students. And I think that this is a calling. I think that we're all called to this. 
You know, not everybody practices yoga and wants to teach it. This is a calling. It's a calling to be a teacher. And so feel that calling as spirit rising. Feel that calling as high vibrational. Feel that calling as a gift. And feel that calling as you have been chosen to do something that you must have something innate within you that could hear that calling and that was willing to answer that calling. So I don't believe in imposter syndrome. I don't believe that, you know, we have to have the best personal practice in order to be great teachers. Sometimes it's on the contrary. Sometimes, you know, we can't get into certain poses for whatever reason. Maybe we have ailments or injuries. Maybe we don't want to do those poses on our bodies anymore. But it's really exciting when you can teach someone how to do something for their body. You know, I used to teach all-star cheer and gymnastics. And I loved helping children and teenagers do things with their body that I absolutely either haven't done in ages or have never been able to quite execute. But yet, I can facilitate a way for you to connect with your body so that you can strive to have the confidence that you need to take the chances that you want to take utilizing your physical and mental connection. And to me, that is so much more rewarding than only teaching the things that my body can do okay so try to remember that you know also I want us to remember that it is okay for your personal practice to look completely different (laughs) you know than your teaching style when I practice yoga I'm either in a total intuitive flow where it goes from yoga asana postures to dancing movements to stretching or I am so chill that it's like I wouldn't even know what to call the type of yoga that I do when when I'm not in the mood to flow. You know, it's not yin, it's not restorative, it's not relaxation. It is... It's very interesting. It's my own intuitive, very slow, very strange personal practice. And when I'm practicing in community, you know, I am I used to be very drawn to yang type practices like ashtanga, and now I'm very drawn to just simple practices. You know, I love practices that have pratyama practices you know, that are really intentionally done. I love that. You know, I love practices that sort of have philosophy talks built into them. I love a good yoga nidra. And of course, I mean, I love, I love doing yoga in ways that help me to take my personal self wherever I am in time and space to another dimension, to another level. 
And we all know from our experiences as yoga practitioners, as students, that depending on where you're at in your life, you know, if you are pregnant, if you have an injury, if you are in your moon cycle, if you're exhausted, if you're energetic, if you feel fit and healthy, if you feel sluggish, if you're going through a breakup, if you are practicing on your birthday, I mean, there's so many factors and what we're in the mood for. And same goes with our students. So I know for me, I like to specialize in trauma-informed yoga. I like to specialize in yoga for beginners. But I love teaching a good dancing flow. You know, we go through the Warrior Series and we do, you know, dancer pose variations, dancing tiger variations. I mean, there's just a lot of deep back bending and there's options for arm balances. And it's just fun and exciting and you know, I add in these strange elements of different genres of movement that I personally enjoy. I love just blending that into a vinyasa flow. And then there's times where I just love teaching something deep, something anatomical, something more along the Iyengar realm. I mean, I feel that if we try to always teach a class wherever we are in our personal practice, then we are disconnecting ourselves from the role of teacher and we're putting ourselves in more of that role of instructor. And there's a time and place for everything, but I love walking into my room or walking you know, into the space and making it sacred and making it very personalized for my students. I love getting to know them so I know what they're bringing with them on the mat. But I also love just observing their bodies, observing their facial expressions, observing the mood and the energy of the room. I love trying to raise those vibrations whenever I'm teaching. And I love that challenge. I love the idea that I am going to discover What's happening with them today? You know, what's in the room? Who's in the room? What are we doing? How do they feel? What's going on? What's happening outside of this space? What's going on in the world today? What did they possibly bring with them to the mat? What current local or state or, you know, countrywide events are going on? Is it a full moon? Is it a new moon? What's the weather like? What time of day is it? This is what makes it fun and exciting. And when you look at your teaching as how can I dig deep into this? What can I discover today? Who am I going to meet? Who's going to show up? Whoo, this is exciting. I'm going to see these amazing humans today. And they're going to vibe off of me and I'm going to vibe off of them. Then I can almost guarantee that you're never going to have a dull teaching experience. Now, if you spend all your time sequencing a class in your mind or on paper, sure, it's great to have general ideas of what you want to do, especially if you're theming, especially if you're doing a full moon or, you know, some sort of specialty class. But 
Don't be so type A personality because that's what lends into that imposter syndrome. That's what makes you feel inadequate because of your personal practice. This is where you're no longer letting yoga sell itself, but rather you're trying to sell you. You should be trying to learn about your practitioners, your students in the room, and then just letting yoga meet them where they're at. You know, when in doubt, plan the most simplistic sequence and make little adjustments throughout class, little modifications to fit the people that are there, to fit the mood that's there. There's nothing more, I think, disheartening is when I am observing teachers and, you know, I'm a studio manager, so there are times that I need to literally observe a student's class or audition, or excuse me, observe a teacher's class or audition a teacher. Or in my personal coaching, when I'm working with teachers one-on-one and we're going through things, it hurts my feelings almost when I notice that they are so attached to their sequence, to their lesson for the day. You know, I kind of think about yoga and I know we title our classes, maybe your class is titled a certain way, but I like to think about yoga like you're walking into a classroom of children and yes, they're all in the fifth grade and yes, you're supposed to teach certain levels and certain lessons and you have a lesson plan, but you still have to figure out how they are going to receive that information. You're going to need to pay attention to who they are. So I want us to keep that in mind. I think that would answer all of those concerns just right there in a nutshell. We're utilizing yoga. We're leaning in on yoga. We're letting yoga meet the student at the mat, on the mat, meet them where they're at. We're going to be present. We're going to detach from our personal practice and our sequencing and our theming and our lesson plans. And we're going to show up with who's there. And then we're going to apply those other, those other ideas and concepts to the person, the people, the humans that are present, right? And we're going to be invigorated by that because it's a whole new way to approach being a teacher, So I invite you to, if not already, really try to notice where you're at on that spectrum. Self-evaluation is challenging, but a little less challenging in the yogic sphere, right? Because this is part of being a student of the philosophy is being able to get to know yourself on a deeper level, being honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, how can you expect anybody else to be honest with you, right? So we have to do the work. We have to look deep within that shadow. We have to journal. We have to get enough sleep so that we can be clear-minded. And we have to just ask for the answers and listen. Oh, alrighty. And then... Unless anyone has any questions or anything, let me just look in the chat here. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of agreements here. Okay, here's a great question. This question is asking if we haven't been practicing or something's going on in our body and we just don't feel like demonstrating that certain asana pose, how do we facilitate the class? Do we tailor a class around our body essentially? And I like this question because I've heard two different schools of thoughts. I mean, I just laid out a school of thought, obviously. But the other school of thought that's pretty well discussed frequently is teach what you feel most comfortable with, right? So if you are not comfortable teaching headstands, don't teach them. And I will say I agree with that because, you know, certain postures can be dangerous if you're not comfortable with them in your body and you don't know how to facilitate that or guide others to do it, then always, you know, err on the side of caution and safety. However, depending on what type of classes you're teaching, if you're teaching an all levels class, an all levels flow, I would still make those postures available to my students and I would just cue it in a way where it's like, if this is in your practice, if it's in your practice to take an arm balance, you know, um, crow pose, headstand, handstand, or any other variation of an arm balance, please honor that here, honor your body. You can always move toward a wall to support you. And the people who that's in their practice, they'll be fine. I mean, obviously everyone's adults, you know, everyone has signed their release forms and their waivers. So you don't have to take full on responsibility for someone making decisions for their body. I do think it's beautiful when yoga students seek out specialized workshops and specialized trainings and they come earlier, they stay late and they, they work on things they want to work on so that it's not all on this one teacher to facilitate this for them. Otherwise, they'll never, ever try it. With that said, if there are a lot of po postures that are a little bit more level two or more advanced and you're just not comfortable doing them, you know, maybe it's not a handstand, you know, a lot of people that's not accessible to them. Maybe it's dancer pose. Maybe it's half moon um, and you don't know how to cue into those poses then additional trainings, right? Additional trainings like some of the stuff we've been doing, but more in sequencing, asana, advanced anatomy, or um, taking workshops, seeing how you can access those postures and modifications and variations, or teaching a different style of yoga, right? Um, especially if you notice your class sizes aren't growing, um, things of that nature. You, you might want to talk to your studio leadership or whatever the situation may be for you and decide if you want to teach like an all levels flow. Usually it's all levels flow where we need to make some of those modifications and variations go anywhere from level one to level two plus, right? Where we allow more advanced students and maybe it's just one person who's going to take you up on it that's going to do something advanced. Or maybe it's a majority advance and only a few people that are stumbled into this advanced class. But there are be yoga for beginners classes. There are relaxation or restorative or yin or slow flows or level ones. 
you know, every studio, every facility, whatever might do something totally different. But um, get the get additional training. You know, that's why we're doing these types of things. And that's why you're a part of sacred space. It's like this ongoing ability to connect in community and continue to grow as a teacher and a student. But I know for me, um, I think seeking out live workshops and being able to be a student in that capacity is really beneficial and it informs your style of teaching for sure. Alrighty, so now we're going to talk about the final topic today and it's just talking about boundaries. You know, how to cultivate sacred space but also create boundaries. Boundaries between yourself and your students, between your sometimes students and other students, which, you know, you don't have full control over, but during the sacred space, you can you can encourage people to honor boundaries. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that, right? So sometimes we have to remind each other and even ourselves that for some people, this is the only time they've had throughout their day, this 60 minutes, this 90 minutes, whatever it may be, to just be, right? To be comfortable in their skin, to feel supported by the earth, to feel supported by community, to feel safe and secure and grounded, to try to ground their energy perhaps or to elevate their vibration. And so sometimes we have to be mindful of the conversations we're, we're encouraging to take place or the music we're choosing to play. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well, you know. Um, we have to be mindful of talking, you know, um, we have to try to at least create an environment where everybody feels honored. So people feel like they're in community. I like to, you know, let my classes just be in total community. You know, they're talking, we're talking, we're enjoying each other's company. And then as we get closer to the start time, we get quieter and quieter. And then that way, if anybody wants a couple of minutes before class begins to just center, even though I'm usually going to guide them through some sort of a grounding, centering, beginning of practice type of practice, still people want a moment to themselves, right? They just want to like... Oh, they made it, you know, maybe they didn't know if they were going to make it. Maybe they had a rough day. Maybe they're just so grateful. And so you want to sort of honor that as well. And you want to facilitate that for them. Um, and I like to think that those are setting up boundaries just right there. Other boundaries is just reminding everyone that, you know, they're in sacred space. You know, each mat is their own mat. Each you know, space that they're in, they can feel comfortable with taking up room and, and being within their body and just feeling good about that. So those create just when people feel safe and secure, then boundaries tend to follow. And then there's the additional boundaries where you want to make sure that you are showing up as the facilitator, the guide, the teacher, you want to show up as the professional, essentially. So, you know, not being late and not being stressed and not being in a bad mood and just 
very strange things that your students should not have to deal with from you creates this sacred space for them, creates these boundaries. Being mindful of sharing too much about your personal life if it's not relevant, right? So if it's relevant, it's relevant, right? If you're if you're sharing something amazing that's just happened or an event that's taken place, but just talking too much, you know, and just sharing your own personal stories and it's like the you show, like you just waited all day long to have a TED Talk, you want to be mindful of that, right? People love learning about their teachers, so it's nice. They can hear little tidbits. You know, I was out walking my dog today, and I thought about X, Y, and Z, and I want to share this lovely poem with you today. And then they're like, oh, she has a dog. Or, you know, I was taking this teacher training, and we were talking about X, Y, and Z. You know, this is like relevant fun stuff. Or, you know, I'm planning my wedding. I'm really excited. We're going to go to Hawaii, and it makes me want to share this beautiful playlist with all of you today. I mean, these are all positive, right? These are all moments of connection. But we all know those situations where someone is just, you know, oh my gosh, today this happened and ugh, I barely even made it to class and then my nose is running and you know, I'm kind of not feeling that well and you know, my knees achy. I mean, you know, you want to be mindful where people aren't going, oh, oh my gosh, and they're feeling like they're supporting you, right? That's like the boundaries are now getting blurred, especially if it's not a one-on-one, it's not a personal connection that you happen to have built over time because we do build friendships and personal connections with our students. But just remembering that we're there to support them. They should walk in and walk out feeling loved and feeling hugged and feeling adored and feeling embraced. And you can give them opportunities to reciprocate that with you, but mostly you should feel honored and gratitude to have shared that sacred space with them. And then there's the big boundaries, right? It's the boundaries of dating. It's the boundaries of hanging out with students. It's the boundaries of gossiping about other teachers or other studios. I mean, I'm just getting cringy thinking about gossiping because I've been in those situations where I've heard just the craziest things. So you don't want to be that teacher, right? You never want to be the teacher that is caught red-handed, you know, saying bad, negative, having low vibrational thoughts and conversations exit their mouth for others' ears to pick up on ever. (laughs) You know, you don't want to complain You know, some people are inherently naturally complainers. If that's you, you need to really observe yourself and see, do you just naturally complain? Are you naturally like, oh, it's so hot. Oh, it's so cold. Oh, there's not enough students here today. Oh, you know, this didn't happen right today. Oh, the stereo's not working. Oh, the water machine's not working. You know, like be mindful, you know, one complaint, you know, Every blue moon isn't isn't that bad, but you don't want to be in the habit of that for sure. Also, I would err on the side of really being mindful when creating deeper personal relationships with students. Now, obviously, obviously you will grow to love and and if not love, really really like and hopefully respect 
some, if not most, if not all of the humans that practice in your classes. And there are going to be amazing opportunities to go take a yoga class with some of your students, to go on a hike, to, you know, take a training, to do a book club. Oh, I'm all for these things. I'm here for these things. Yes. We cross boundaries when we when we don't allow those relationships to be just naturally evolving. Some yoga teachers and some students alike will try to progress relationships with each other just out of a neediness or a desperation or a need for connection that doesn't authentically grow into that way. And it can make someone feel, feel really uncomfortable. Like, you know, you just saying, well, is it okay if I have your number and I can just call you? And, you know, it's like, let the relationship evolve naturally, right? Don't date your students unless you really, really, really know them. Or hopefully one person, right? You don't have a habit of serial dating. Know your studio's policies if there's any. But I would say err on the side of caution. Sometimes, this is going to sound weird, but sometimes leaders of situations where someone is learning something that they're vulnerable to, they are more attractive to the people who are learning from them, right? It's like teacher-student vibes. But it's true. If you're in a situation where you're really vulnerable, you're learning something new, you're going to be more grateful and honored and attracted, even if it's not romantically attracted, just attracted to that person's energy. You're going to really just care about them. I know all my teachers, I love them. Like, I really want to help them. I really want to be there for them. I really want to assist them. You know, I've had some amazing yoga teachers, like in my history, just people who I loved very deeply and wanted to buy Christmas gifts for, you know, um, celebrate their birthdays with them and and show up for them at that fundraiser. And I'm so happy to have cultivated those relationships for sure. So the thing is, is that your students are going to sort of idolize you in certain situations and you want to make sure that you keep it safe for them. Because they are being vulnerable. They're doing something new. They're going to be more susceptible to everything that you say, your suggestions. You could crush somebody by accidentally saying the wrong thing to them. You can uplift them by intentionally saying things to them. You want to make sure that you don't ever get so freely disconnected from your role that you're personal opinions and things start to flutter because one thing that people forget is you may think that you're talking to someone you may think that you guys are the same and you're on the same page and you have the same likes and dislikes and you might be going on and on and you're the teacher and you're going on and on about things you don't like like oh I don't really like you know certain novels or I don't like this author or I don't really like going to the movies or I don't really like you know fill in the blank Meanwhile, this other person, your student, might be like, whoa, I didn't know that about this person. Or I really like some of those things they just named. Or wow, they sound really judgy right now. You know, especially in the yogic space where there's like this this 
political war with food. You know, there's a lot of people who are very ethically connected to veganism. And there are people who that's just not their calling. They haven't received the call yet. And you never want to accidentally have this air of authority and hierarchy and judgment, right? Because you can ostracize and completely cut off the reason why that student wants to be at yoga and why you want them to be there, which is for self-introspection, self-connection, mind-body-spirit connection, healing, thriving. It's not about you, the teacher. Even if they love you and you love them, please put their practice first, you know? Please put their practice first. Support them. Always bring it back to how can I support you on your journey of yoga, you know? And if we keep that in the forefront of our mind, we're always going to show up for them. If we're not careful and, you know, we want to, we want to have all of our personal thoughts and opinions and, you know, maybe there's some, some areas where you might be really passionate about something and you do want to share that and, you know, it's important to you and that's fine as well. But if it ostracizes your student from maybe not just your class or just you, but from the practice, then you're doing a counterproductive disservice to them and to yoga. Because remember, some people may not just leave you or your class. They may leave the entire practice. We all have been in situations where, you know, I'm thinking of religion, I'm thinking of church, I'm thinking of these types of scenarios where, you know, some person can actually ruin it for the entire, you know, connection to your higher self or the higher purpose of why you were there. Um, and I know that's extreme. And in some of those situations, it, it is extreme. We want to also make sure that our boundaries are all inclusively connected to why that student should practice yoga, meaning make sure our boundaries are for ourselves to not have an, an opinion that's not either fact-based, science-backed, something, right? We can't just say, oh, well, I, I don't like downward dogs because X, Y, and Z. It's like, it's okay to express alternatives or, you know, um, suggestive suggestions on how you can be healthier in the pose. But I've literally heard teachers just say, I don't like this pose. And I don't think that's fair to the student because maybe the student doesn't need to hear that. That's your opinion. But if you're mentioning you don't like a pose and there's facts based behind it there's a reason why you don't think that everybody should go into full lotus which is one of those poses where it's like okay that that makes a lot of sense like you have to have a lot of opening in your hip sockets your joints your your knees have to be really healthy i mean this makes sense to me right but you probably still wouldn't say i don't like full lotus you would probably Try to come from it as a place of teaching. I mean, I would dare to say it would be detrimental for a teacher to say, well, I just don't like reading X, Y, and Z. It's like, maybe that's not the best way to 
express that right to these impressionable minds don't don't forget your students are impressionable too for most of them they're still learning and they're not as deep diving as a teacher has with the training and the connection to the philosophy from a teacher's perspective right so we have the obvious boundaries. I'm not going to go over the obvious stuff other than the dating stuff. I mean, you obviously aren't going to touch people without their permission or without building trust, which we've talked about already. In another session, you're not going to reprimand anyone. You're not going to talk down to anyone. You're not going to tell them they have to do something. Um, you're going to give them options. I mean, these are all things that connect back to boundaries. I feel like we all are on that same vibration. We're on that same wavelength. It's mostly just the boundaries where you create sacred space. You be mindful that you want them to love yoga. You want them to make this a lifelong journey. And you can only do that if you keep your teacher's hat on from start to finish. And when in doubt, always come from a place of Will this affect them in a way that's not healthy for them? You know? And if the answer is, I don't know, then err on the side of caution. If the answer is no, then you know the answer, right? And if the answer is yes, you know the answer. So just always come from a place of what's best for them. If you can support them and they're in any kind of way, then honor that. But also be mindful that at the end of the day, we're here to teach, we're here to share, we're here to heal, we're here to grow, and we're here to connect. And if it's not somewhere within something along those lines, then we have to ask ourselves if it's worth it for us to take off the teacher's hat and be able to support them in a different way. And maybe maybe that will be even better and even deeper for some. But as long as you ask the question and you're prepared for the answer that comes to the mind's eye, then I think we're good. I think you're good. I think you can instinctively, intuitively honor boundaries. And you probably don't need to think about it much if you just enter into every connective sharing of space with students with the right intention as a teacher. So I'm going to open this up to questions. We're actually going to unmute. Um, I know Heather was saying that she wants us to go ahead and just spend the next half an hour doing like full live form of just conversation. So I want to honor that. So let's just take a few minutes and let's settle back into a place where we can let go of this past hour. We can let go of everything we just discussed and the thoughts that might have come to your mind, the notes that you might have taken, and just let it just settle within the nervous system. No need to overanalyze anything. Whatever resonated with you, whatever stuck with you, let that be. Whatever came up for you that made you feel uncomfortable, tune into that and see if there's something in your shadow. And whatever you fully disagree with, let it go. So let's take a deep inhalation, open our mouth and release.
Thank you all for allowing me to lecture. Thank you for allowing me to just freely speak my mind on some of the topics that you brought up. I appreciate your thoughts and I look forward to a follow-up conversation now. So I am going to stop the recording on my side and I'm going to let Heather just continue on her side and then she will facilitate the open conversation. So I'm here to answer any questions any of you have or just um, enjoy whatever conversation you all wish to bring up or any examples of some of the stuff I just uh, discussed. Maybe you want to share some personal examples. And for anyone listening to this recording on the replay, any of the students of Sacred Space or Yoga Podcast, as I will hopefully be able to edit and, and share, um, journal. And think about what came up for you. If any of this was provoking, honor those feelings and those thoughts wholeheartedly. Be willing to change your mindset. Be willing to change how you approach things. Be open to change. Um, change is good. Change allows us to grow and it's uncomfortable, but there's always a really profound experience waiting if we are open to that. So Hopefully we all are, and I know I am. So thank you. I honor you. Namaste. It's me, Breezy Bree, and you just finished listening to a brand new episode of Yoga Podcast. Did you know I started recording back in 2018 with almost 500 episodes, hundreds of those free audio yoga classes? I am so honored to guide you on your personal practice on and off of the mat. Check out my website, lovebreezybreeyoga.com, a link in the show notes will be provided along with lots of amazing information for your practice. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste.